Well, I'm holding in my hand not only God's holy, written, and errant word, but the most controversial book ever written. In this book, the true nature of God is revealed and also the true nature of human beings. But why does the truth about us cause such controversy? Why do we tend to avoid hearing the truth about who and what we are from the one who created us? The Word of God tells us what God thinks about the main, major, and even all the issues of life, even the ones that are challenging. At the top of that list of contentious, challenging, controversial issues is marriage. But how is something that God has created, ordained, and made become such a source of contention and controversy in his church and in the world? We've got so many different versions of what marriage is right now, I can't even keep up with them. But you know what, church? There's only really one. There's only really one, the one that God made. So another question I have is, why does the church, why does God's church have such a high rate of divorce? Depending on who you ask, it can be between anywhere between 25 and 33 percent or even higher. Today, I hope to provide some clarity on marriage by showing you what the Word of God says about it and how marriage can be the wonderful thing that God intends. Marriage is an illustration of the relationship between Christ and his church. The world should see a difference in the way believers, husbands, and wives relate to each other in a marriage. They should be able to look at that and say, something's different about those two people and how they relate to each other because they're believers. It should not look like a marriage between people who don't know God. It should be different. Although marriage is a union in which two become one, God clearly designed it with roles for each person in that marriage. There's a clearly defined role for the husband, and there is a clearly defined role for the wife. We get into trouble when we mix those up, when we don't do, the way, do it the way that God intends for it to be done. That's why we get into trouble. When I want to do it my way, that's a problem. That is a problem. I've learned that most stuff that I want to do my way is a problem. <laughs> so I keep on doing it. What's the matter with me? I don't know. It's like Paul says, the good I want to do, I don't do, and the evil that I don't want to do, I do. But thank God for his grace and mercy. Amen. So because there are defined roles for the husband and the wife in the marriage, both people are accountable and responsible to God for how they function in their individual roles. When Christian marriages fail, it sends a false message to the world that Christ does not love his bride with an enduring permanent love. The purpose of the text I'll be reading and of my message is not just so you can have a happy marriage, although it will do that. But the purpose of my text and of my message is to help us glorify God through marriages that reflect the relationship between Christ and his church. That's the purpose of marriage. We get a side benefit from all the other stuff we get from it when we obey God. So please stand with me as I read God's holy and errant word. I'll be reading Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 33. A very familiar passage. 
Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Let's pray. Lord God Almighty, we thank you for your holy and errant word. We thank you for the instruction and guidance that it gives us on marriage and everything else. But today, Lord God, we want to hear from you. We want to be, Lord God, husbands and wives according to your plan and purpose for us. So help us, Lord God, to listen to your word, to hear it, and not walk out of here and without being different, Lord God. Let us be open to what you're going to say through this feeble man that's standing here today delivering the message. Lord God, I just pray that we will all be blessed and touched by it and all filled with the Holy Spirit and leave here wanting to be determined to live out what you said we should live out as husbands and wives and showing people, Lord God, the relationship between you and your church. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The title of my message today, church, is Doing Marriage God's Way. What does doing marriage God's way look like? Well, I can tell you what it doesn't look like. <laughs> I'll get to that later. It does have clearly defined roles. We're going to start with the role of the wife. One of the most difficult, if not the most difficult aspects of marriage for the wife is submission. Some people call that the Christian S word because it is so difficult in many cases. Probably my last time preaching when I said that, huh? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> it starts with obedience. In Colossians 3.18, it says, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. It is a fitting thing to be obedient to the Lord as it relates to marriage as wives submitting to their husbands. Now, we got a whole lot of different ideas about what that word means in the world, and all of them are negative. All of them are against the word of God. All of them are not in line with what God says it means. So now, if we buy into the world's idea about it, if we exchange the truth of God for a lie, we're going to have problems. Because they tell you right now that that means you're weak. That means you're inferior. That means you don't, you're letting the man dominate you. The Christianity is a male-dominated religion. All it does is hold women down. You've got to stand up for your rights and be all you can be. And don't let a man tell you what to do. You don't need no man. Right? Isn't that what they say? 
Sure it is. You can do everything yourself. You can have a baby without a man these days. Right? But that's not what the word of God says. But what does submission mean? Well, before I talk about what it means, I want to talk about what it does not mean. It does not mean the wife is inferior in any way. It does not mean the wife is to obey her husband as a child obeys the parent. Difference. It doesn't mean the husband has the right to force his wife to submit to him if he feels like she's not doing it right. It doesn't mean the wife cannot express her opinion. It doesn't mean the wife submits only if the husband is treating her the way she thinks he should. I need my bodyguards now because I know I'm getting in trouble. I'm going to go out the secret pastor's exit. My car is already running. (laughs) So you're going to have to move fast to catch me. It doesn't mean the wife submits only when she's in agreement with the husband. Anyone can submit when in agreement. Submission is tested when there is disagreement. So what does it mean? Submission means that you choose to obey the command of God and you willingly place yourself under the headship of your husband in order that God's design for marriage can be what it's supposed to be. Remembering that Jesus is our example in all things, including submission. He submitted to the will of the Father when he came, left the glory of heaven, came to earth in the form of a man, lived a sinless life, and died for us. Submission to your husband is not a sign of weakness or inferiority. It's a demonstration of your love for God. But there's another role in marriage that we need to talk about. And it's funny that there's a couple of verses that talks about the role of the wife and a whole lot more that talks about the role of the husband. God must know something we don't know. God knows that his order of things is set a certain way and he's placed the husband in a leadership role. That's a daunting task. Some of us don't want to accept that role. But that also starts with obedience. When we don't obey the command of God to step into the role that he's given us, as I mentioned earlier, we get into trouble. The husband is accountable and responsible to God for how he leads his family. He's the shepherd of his household. The husband sets the tone for the marriage. As the husband goes, so goes the marriage. The Bible says that we're to love our wives as Christ loved the church. Without question, the most difficult aspect of marriage for men, because a lot of us, many of us, simply do not know how to love our wives. It's not something you're born with. Any command that God gives us, keep in mind that he does enable us to fulfill that command. I know that. We all know that. But that don't mean it's going to be easy. It's difficult at times. But we still have to do it. We're still commanded to do it. It's not just about making a living, providing a nice home, having a nice car, going on nice vacations. Those things are important. 
But it's not just about that. It's not just about buying gifts and flowers on special days. You better make sure you do that. <laughs> but that's not all there is to it. While those things are important, loving our wives as Christ loves the church also includes treating our wives like the delicate flowers that they are. Being affectionate consistently without expecting it to go someplace else, if you know what I mean. Complimenting her. Listening to her. Serving her more than she serves you. Being patient with her. Not being harsh with her. Being mindful of the way we speak to her and being mindful of the way we speak about her. We can't stand out there in the hallway and talk trash about our wives to other people. We can't go to work and talk trash about our wives to our co-workers. That's not being obedient to the command of God, to love her like Christ loved the church. Jesus is our example of how to love and serve. Men, we must outserve our wives. We've got to do more in service to them than they do for us. We are the leader. We got to lead by example. We want our wives to say things to us about my husband loves me, my husband treats me right. We don't want our wives saying things like, well, you know, I'm still married to him. I don't want to disobey God, but boy, oh boy, let me find something here to find a loophole. I need a way out. I wish he'd grow up. Jesus is our example of how to love and serve. When he was tired, he continued to serve. When he was hungry, he continued to serve. When he was stressed, he continued to serve. In John 13, he demonstrated humility and selfless love by washing the feet of his disciples. He created them. And he showed them an example of what it's like to selflessly love somebody and selflessly be humble by washing their feet. In Romans 5, 8, it says, God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were rebelling against God, living in total ignorance of him, not even caring about what he said, not paying attention to him, doing me, he still died for us. He demonstrated his love. So we as men have to demonstrate our love to our wives on a daily basis. Love involves service and sacrifice. And sometimes men, we need to ask ourselves difficult questions like, what have I given up for my wife lately? Ouch, that hurts. But it's true. What sacrifices have I made to enhance her well-being? Loving our wives like Christ loved the church, what does it say? He gave himself up for her. What am I giving up for my wife? Does my wife know that I love her? Not just because I said it when we got married. This old joke about this guy, he said, I told my wife I loved her on our wedding day, and if I change my mind, I let her know. That's funny when it's somebody else, huh? <laughs> There's another one about this guy I know that uh, he really enjoyed marriage. 
You enjoyed it so much you did it five times. That's not the kind of enjoyment we need to look for in our marriage. Our wives need to know that we love them. Husbands, we must show and tell our wives that we love them daily according to the example of Jesus. You know, Jesus never takes a day off from loving his church. Men, we cannot take a day off from loving our wives. We don't get to say, you know what, it's Tuesday. It's I don't have to love my wife day. No. No. 1 Peter 3, 7 says, In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should, and so your prayers will not be hindered. They got this saying back in the South where I'm from when someone says something profound, they say, boy, you just said a mouthful. And Peter, he just said a mouthful. When people say that Christianity is a, is a religion that holds women down, holds them back, they haven't read 1 Peter 3, 7. You must give honor to your wives. Didn't I say maybe if you want to do it, you can? Or you might want to think about it, and if you feel like doing it, doing it. You must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding. The ESV says live with her in an understanding way. Men, when we want to make a purchase of uh, some tools or, or a truck or some fishing equipment, what do we do? We go online and we research that thing. We read product uh, information about it. We will look for days and weeks and months. We'll ask other people about it. We'll talk about it. We'll ask our friends. We'll go back and research some more. And then we'll make the purchase. Why? Because we want to understand what it is we're about to buy. We need to have that same type of effort and energy in understanding our wives. Some people say, well, I can't understand women. We don't have to understand women. You just got to understand your wife. <laughs> That's all. Just one. <laughs> that kind of cuts it down a lot, doesn't it? Makes the job a little bit easier. Okay. I'm glad to help you guys out with that one. And when it talks about the woman being weaker, it's not talking about her being weaker intellectually. Lord knows my wife is way smarter than me. <laughs> it's not talking about the wives being weaker emotionally. Women are more in tune with their emotions than we are, and that's a good thing. It's not talking about women being weaker spiritually. It says, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. It's talking about physically. So, you know, it means like on your wedding night when you carry your wife through the threshold. I mean, most of the time the, the husband is doing that, but I guess maybe sometimes your wife might be the one to carry you through. I don't know. But generally speaking, men are physically stronger than women, and that's what this is talking about, just in case you didn't get that one. And then it says, treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. 
when you look at all the instruction in God's word about marriage, it doesn't say anything to the wife about her prayers being hindered. Like, submit to your husband as unto the Lord or your prayers will be hindered. It's not there. Respect your husband or your prayers will be hindered also isn't there. But it says to us, treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. So if I'm standing up here preaching until the paint comes off the wall, if I memorize the entire New Testament, if I can read in Hebrew and Greek, if I'm giving 90% of my income to the Lord, and I don't love my wife and treat her right, my prayers are going to be hindered. Marriage is a big deal to God. And you know what another big deal is? Husbands loving your wife. Treating them right. Giving them honor. Showing the world what a godly husband is. Don't we need that these days? I think we do. Understanding our wives. Every month, we have the Lord's, we celebrate the Lord's Supper or communion or the Lord's table, whatever, you, whatever term you like to use. And each time, whoever's leading it will say something to the effect of, if you are living in unrepentant sin, don't, please we ask you not to take, partake of communion at this time. How many of us, when that's said, think about our marriage? Like, how many wives think, Am I submitting to my husband as to the Lord? Am I, am I respecting him according to the word of God? How many husbands think, am I loving my wife as Christ loved the church? Am I, am I honoring her? Am I living with her in an understanding way? How many of us think about our marriage when that statement is made? James 4.17 says, for the person to know the right thing to do and doesn't do it, to that person it is sin. If I know, if I know that I'm not loving my wife as Christ loves the church and I take communion, something's going wrong with me. I love what Pastor Charlie says. It's not what you know. It's what you do with what you know. So if we know what the word of God says and we don't do it, we're sinning, church. We're sinning. God's not good with that. We know that. We need to understand our wives, man, so we can love them. Understand them so we know how to love them. How do you think if you love your wife, or if we, I'm including myself most definitely, love our wives as Christ loved the church, showing her honor, living with, living with her in an understanding way, how do you think your wife will respond to that type of treatment? If your wife knows that you love her, if she can feel that love, there's an old song that says, give them something she can feel. Give your wife something she can feel. Let her know that you love her. Let it be clear without any doubt. That's what the word of God is telling us, church. But disobedience to the command of God will hinder your prayer life. can't be a prayer warrior if you don't love your wife the way that Christ loves the church. It doesn't happen. But obedience to the command of God will result in a marriage that glorifies God. Now, God doesn't expect perfection in marriage because none of us are perfect. But obedience to his commands needs to be the rule, the pattern, and not the exception. 
Not like Tuesday today I'm gonna love my wife the rest of the week. I'm on she's on her own. No, it can't be like that. Please keep in mind, church, that a godly marriage, again, is not a perfect marriage. A good wife is a godly wife, not a perfect wife. A good husband is a godly husband, not a perfect husband. There are some essential ingredients for, ha- ingredients for having a godly marriage. It starts with obedience. Then there's submission, love, understanding, and respect. You can't take away any of those and have a godly marriage. You can't. Those things are a part of it. In Ephesians 5.33, it says, However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Love and respect go hand in hand. Just like the wife needs to feel that the husband loves her, the husband needs to feel and know that the wife respects him. You cannot give more love and honor to any woman in your life other than your wife. Not your mom, not your sister, not your boss. Wives, you can't give any more love and respect to anybody else and honor to anyone more than your husband. Not your boss, not your pastor, not anybody else. Men, your wife's got to be your number one. Wives, your husband got to be your number one. That has to be how it is. Anything less than that, we're going to have problems. Being married and staying married are good things, but it's not good enough. It's not. It's not good enough to say we've been married for 50 years, but we sleep in separate bedrooms, we go on separate vacations, we don't spend time together. We really don't like each other, but we still married. That's not good enough. We need to be mindful of the things that can disrupt and weaken your marriage. We can fall into some bad habits, and the next thing you know, 20 years go by, and you can't stand each other. We know that that happens, church. Let's not pretend that it doesn't. We know that it happens. The number one reason for divorce and problems in the Christian church is what? Disobedience to the command of God. Simple as that. There's other factors, but that's the number one reason. Putting other relationships before your marriage, including your kids. Now, I am not saying you're not supposed to love your children. Don't walk out of here saying, well, Pastor Rod said we're going to put our kids up for adoption. <laughs> or is they getting in the way of my marriage? <laughs> All right, y'all, pack your stuff up. You got to go. <laughs> I'm tired of feeding you anyway. Eat too much. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. We need to care for our children. They're they're a blessing from God. um, Absolutely they are. So we need to provide for them, care for them, love them, all those things. But we cannot pour our entire lives into our children at the cost of our marriage. And many couples do that. And then 20 years go by. Kids grow up and leave. Well, not this day. They stay till they're 30 now. But I'm sorry. I just came out. I'm sorry. 
Anyway, back to this. I distract myself sometimes. <laughs> but 20 years will go by, and you look at each other like, and you don't even know each other because you haven't spent time together. Too much focus on work and hobbies. You know, men, we can get into the I got to provide for my family thing, which means I got to work 20 hours a day. Right? We can do that. And your wife can suffer in silence because she misses you because you're always working. And your kids grow up and they don't see you enough because you're always working. And at the end of the day, when you lie down that last time and God's about to call you home, will you say, boy, I wish I spent more time at work? Nobody says that. One of the most damaging things we can do in a marriage is using harmful, hurtful words towards your spouse. Calling your wife names, calling your husband names. That's damaging to your marriage. Something else that's damaging is withholding kind of loving words. The person that knows the right thing to do and doesn't do it for that person is sin. Neglecting your spouse damages your marriage. We need to be mindful also, church, of things that can strengthen our marriages. What's the number one thing that makes a godly marriage obedient to the command of God? If we just obey the commands of God as it relates to marriage, we will have a godly marriage. Making your marriage your number one human relationship using kind, loving words toward one another. Serving each other. Supporting each other, especially when difficult times hit. You will not be married very long before difficulty will hit your marriage. And it comes in so many different forms. It can come in forms of financial, illness, kids, so many different ways Hard times can come. And believe me, when those things come, they will test the strength of your marriage. There can be things that can come into your life, into your marriage, and be so dreadful that you will wonder if God is not on your side. Those things can, tr can test the strength of your marriage. That's when you really need to support one another when those things hit. And believe me, they will hit. They will. If you need help in your marriage, ask for it. Don't pretend that you've got this thing all down if you're suffering and, and it's not going right. Lakeshore City Church is here for you. We are here for you. If you need help, get it. Prayer, spending time in prayer and Bible study is very important for your marriage. Pray with and for each other. I think I mentioned spending time together, but don't let the time you spend together only be your family devotional time. Not saying that that's not important, it is. But when you were dating your wife and you're pursuing your wife, is that all you did was sit and read the Bible together? I bet you didn't. I bet you took her nice places. I bet you told funny jokes. Bet you dress nice, smell nice. 
right? Kept your car clean, right? The longer you are married, the more we have a tendency to let those things slide. We got to fight that. We got to fight it. Being patient with each other. Saying, I'm sorry. Sometimes those words can get caught right here. (coughs) (laughs) But you say them anyway. And then when they're said to you, being willing to forgive. It's been said that marriage is a union between great, two great forgivers. That is definitely the case in my marriage. My wife has to forgive me for sometimes saying things that I shouldn't say, for doing things I shouldn't do. So being a forgiving person is very, very important in the marriage. And in closing, church, I want to tell you a story about a man that I know. This man is a believer. He became a believer at an early age, started a family, got a job, supported his family, um, paid a lot of attention to his children. Matter of fact, this man poured all of his attention and time into his children when he wasn't working. And he was neglectful toward his wife. He was harsh toward her, unloving didn't pay attention to her. When she would complain, he wouldn't care. This man served God in the church, taught Bible studies, preached the gospel, memorized scripture. If you haven't figured it out by now, that man is me. And that marriage ended in divorce. And I thank God now for his mercy and love to me. In that, he gave me a second chance. He gave me a second chance at marriage with the renewed focus on being obedient to him and loving my wife. Something I never cared about before. So I stand here, and I don't want any of you to miss the importance of what God says about being a husband. It's a big deal. I lost my testimony to my kids. I lost my testimony to people in the community that knew who I was. Still trying to get some of that back. That's what can happen when you get divorced. I know in part why God hates it now. I used to see people getting divorced. I didn't think it was that big of a deal. It seemed like everything was all right. It seemed like they were doing okay. That's not how it really is. That's a lie of the devil. It's not easy. It's not okay. It's not all right. I don't know what the current state of your marriage is. I don't know whether you're enjoying your marriage or whether you're just enduring your marriage. I don't know where you might be feeling united to your spouse in marriage or you might feel trapped to your spouse by marriage. You may have given up hope in it ever being good 
You may think things have gotten so bad that there's no way out, that it can never be what I want it to be. It can never, I can never feel like this is a good thing in my life. I don't know where you are with that. You may not even be married, but you may have a background of seeing a marriage that is so bad you want nothing to do with marriage. Or maybe you come from a background where your parents had a godly marriage and you're excited and you're waiting for God and you're asking God to send you that right person. Well, if that's you, I'd ask you to add to that prayer for God not only to send you the right person, but make you the right person. I'd like for all the men to stand right now. All the men in the church, please stand. You are all the leaders of your family and of your home, every single one of you. You're responsible and accountable to God for that. Accept the responsibility. And love your wives like Christ loved the church. Support and encourage them. Show your children and your grandchildren what it's like to be a godly husband. Let them see you loving their moms and their grandmoms. Let them look at you and say, when I'm grown up, I want to be like my dad and my granddad. I want to love my wife like my dad loves my mom. The very best thing you can do for your kids is love their mom. Show your daughters what it looks like when a man loves a woman. Let them look at you and say, I want to be, I want a man like my dad. I want a man like my grand. That's the kind of man I want. The man that loves his wife and treats her right. That's the kind of man that I want. The world needs godly men. The world needs godly men. The world, the church needs godly men. We need to stand up and be what God has called us to be regardless of what the world says about it, regardless of what the preachers have watered down the word of God say about it. Stand up and be who God has made you to be. That's who we need to be, every single one of us. And if you guys are not married yet, if you're thinking about it, learn from those who are. If you're doing well in this area, look for guys that are struggling and help them out. Come alongside of them and teach them and show them and help them. Show them what we need to do as men. That's what we need to do. You may be seated. And I'm going to give you some homework, guys, while you're sitting there. So I want you to sit down for this one. I'm not done yet. Keeping in mind that a good husband is a godly husband and not a perfect husband. I want every man that's married by the end of the day to go home Sit down with your wife and ask her this question. Am I a good husband to you? Ask her. Look her in the eyes and ask her. Just so you know, and I'm not asking you to do something I haven't done, not willing to do, I asked my wife that question twice recently. I was scared. I asked her. But the Holy Spirit of God prompted me to do that, just like he's prompted me to tell you that. Find time today. Before the day's over, don't let it slide. Ask her. 